Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, I shoot commercials in a freak April snowstorm and think you're a bad person if you do a certain thing on an airplane. Meanwhile, John does a job for over a decade that didn't exist just a few generations earlier and ponders whether he over-apologizes. Plus, this week in history and a birthday greeting to one of the all-time great comedians. Today's episode is not sponsored by Drapes. Let your neighbors know you've updated your privacy policy. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Go ahead and uh, put up your tray table, Johnny. Make sure your seat is in the upright position. Just talk about that. We're about to take off. Did you? Have you ever been on a plane when you have the cheeky flight crew? Oh, yeah. Southwest mainly. Southwest is a very cheeky flight crew. Yeah. And uh, they, one time... I've had this happen more than once, so I know it's something that they do across the board. Hmm. But they say, uh, hey, uh, everybody, make sure your seatbelts are fastened. This is a new pilot, and uh, he wants to try some stuff. <laughs> and then they put on Highway to the Danger Zone on the wow. speakers. They really did as we took off. Wow. So people got kind of a – maybe it made some people nervous. I don't know. You know, the new planes they have don't have the seat rest that goes back. Huh. Which I think is good because I think if you're a good person, you don't recline your seat because you're I never affecting rec- the person's tray table exactly. behind you. You're yeah, you're in there because I mean, what if it's a tall person like me? Like you're just I'm barely in there. And for those of us who sometimes use laptops on the tray table, yeah, like I'll have to like basically almost half close. Yeah, your it's computer. like I'm it's like making a Pac-Man mm-hmm. type face at me. Well. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to besmirch people who have used their... I mean, sometimes you just have bad back and you just like, this is But like, is it really giving you that much relief? It's like two inches of... Right. Yeah. So I think the the new planes I've been on, their Southwest planes, they just do not recline at all. Interesting. And so you see people kind of pushing against them every now and again in front of me like, what is wrong with this seat? Why won't it? Yeah. yeah. It promotes good... I used to say like, seats that promote good posture annoy me because I have terrible posture. Yeah. So if you sit in there like a really straight seat that will not... You can't even slouch in it. You're just like, oh, no. Uh, well, I don't even want to do this, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a sloucher. Mm-hmm. We're both slouchers. Yeah. Um, it's genetic. You think I'm just like a slouchy person? Are you saying we're related? No. Oh. That can't be it. What if, like, we were long-lost brothers? It wouldn't make a lot of sense. I guess. Although brothers are often not alike. Well, you think we're that alike? No. I mean, we're alike enough that we get along. One of these things is not like the other, and I'm not going to say which one. We're alike enough that we get along, but I don't, and we don't fight like brothers. I don't know. I told someone today. I defend you like a brother, oh, and wow. I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> I'm trying to think, how many fights have we had? 
It's a handful. It's a very small handful. Like, I'm not even sure I can think of a true, like, fight. Just, like, maybe irritation. Yeah. Um, you got irritated with me last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. Because yeah. I was being too positive. Well, you were being, like, uh-huh. Pollyanna positive, though. I was not. It was like, I knew that you were nervous for something that I had that was an opportunity. But you were doing this, like, hype man thing of, like, there's no that. way this won't go well. Hey, let me ask you this. And I was like, John, at least admit to me, this could go bad. <laughs> and finally, you were like, later on that night, you were like, oh, yeah, my hands were sweating <laughs> while I was watching Later, you. later, my hands were sweating. Yeah. But so, I would like to, what I would like to point out is, uh-huh. was I right? <laughs> you were right. Here's uh, the, uh, I think there's a simple, it's not about it's being a right. simple yes or no question. I was getting ready to compliment you though, because I was going to say that like all the all the arguments that we've had, you're the one that has to come apologize because it's like you haven't you have an issue when there's something in the air. You're the first one to clear the air. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not always which makes good. you e- no because it makes you easy to take advantage of. I would think from other people who don't who wish you harm. They're like, John's going to really be uh, have an issue with this, so I can he'll he'll blink first. That is true. I do blink first. Yeah. With Pete, now here's the thing: if you're in my inner inner circle, which you are. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't wait a second because mm-hmm. there's no way because you're safe. Right. So safe people, right. which I'm using very six, sixy words right now, like safe people, mm-hmm. they're, they blindside me if something's not right because I don't even worry about safe. There's a very few number of people in my life I don't worry about. Yeah. So if I think something's out of whack with that, no, sir. Like, I'll run to it. I don't know how to tell you this, John, but I'm leaving. It, we, we've been out of whack a long time yeah. and out of alignment, some might say. Mm. But, like, if you're in, the, if you're in a some like, some like, some like, if you're in some kind of... <laughs> sorry. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> An Australian <laughs> accent kicked in for a second. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's like... Okay, go ahead. Uh, if you're, like, in a one of those subsequent concentric circles... Okay. Then... This is the Venn diagram of John's life. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, I'm learning uh-huh. to let there be a lack of resolution that persists longer than five seconds. Right. Like it's okay. Like I'm, I made, and do you remember the time that I rewrote the serenity prayer on accident? Yes. Parallel. Right. So I actually have been praying the serenity prayer last few days, mm-hmm. which Laura last night goes, oh, the one you wrote or the real one? <laughs> <laughs> the John Driver version. I don't even know where that went, but I sent it to, I posted it, I think. It was like early Facebook days. Yeah. And you and Laura both were like, um, you yeah. just literally. Congratulations. <laughs> and I'd, It was such a big deal for me. But anyway. Yeah. But like accepting those things I cannot change, mm-hmm. like that, that's still offensive to me. Like that's offensive. I, I, I look at that and go, Right. Oh no, there's some there's nothing out there if I don't try hard enough or you know, try to do things the right way enough that this cannot be mended. And some of that's a gospel belief. Because yeah. everything can be mended, but it doesn't mean I can mend everything. And that, that that somewhere the tension between those two things is very, very difficult for me. So yes, I don't let things lie very often. Well, I think it's good for, for if you're gonna be close with somebody you want them to be and I enjoy that you're the first to apologize. <laughs> just as because I don't like to apologize. So I'm like, John will, John will apologize. <laughs> then I can be like, I'm sorry too, but still you won because you apologized first. Right. I technically won. I don't feel like you're a slow to apologize guy. Really? Not to you, maybe. Yeah. I just don't like being wrong. Mm. And so 
apologizing is admitting that you were at least wrong in your approach. You might have been right yeah. in what you were saying, but you were at least wrong in your tone, your approach. And I think that there's something about being wrong that really bothers me because I try to do things the right way. I think everybody does, but yeah. I've, I'm not trying to act like it's a strength, like a hidden strength that people do that. <laughs> like, I care too much. No. <laughs> Uh, we talked about that before when you do a, like a job interview. Right. What, like, you what do you think of your uh, what are your of improvement? Well, I care too much. Right. I get here too early. Yeah, and I'm addicted to heroin. <laughs> Those are the big three. <laughs> the big three. Uh, not necessarily. Do you have a treatment program in that order? Okay. Anyway, yeah, I'm not trying to make it sound like a hidden strength, but no, I do think that like maybe it's how I was brought up. Yeah. You know, my dad. I have a little bit of my dad in me, maybe. Like, he was definitely not an apologizer. Yeah. He was very stubborn. My mom was stubborn in a good way. Like, if she was on the right track and she knew something was right, she wouldn't give an inch, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and I think that there's some of that in me, too, where I'm like, if I feel like I'm, if I feel like there's a cause that I'm behind, it can blind me sometimes to my own faults within that movement towards it. But I try to be, I don't know, marriage will teach you to be a better apologizer usually if you're going to have a marriage that lasts you got to be a forgiving yeah and, uh, usually an apologizing person i think the early part of marriage people because i'm the same way early on yeah if it seems black and white and correct to me in terms of like hey that's what i know i should have done and you have no reason to be upset or I'm not responsible for a negative outcome if I did the right thing. Yeah. So that's the hard thing. Sometimes you do the right thing and there's still a negative outcome, like I said, because you did it the wrong way or it just didn't work out. Yeah. And so you want your intentions to overcome mm -hmm. the... Or you want them at least noted for the record. Right. Like, please note that I did the right things. Right. And they're like, what does that even matter? I have that, though. We're in a ditch, John. What does it matter? <laughs> I did the yeah. other day. I said to Laura, I said, I want... Uh, to not be blamed if this doesn't go right. There was yeah, a decision. A preemptive. Yeah. There was a decision. I need you to sign this document. Yeah, it was so crazy. And I tried not to be a very big agreement guy. Anyway, I used to be a very big agreement person. Uh, and now I'm like, I try, that, that usually doesn't end well. Yeah. And so the agreement is the marriage vow. Let's just stop there. You know, yeah. For the most part, you're going to have to give and take You know, past that. And there was a decision. Like sometimes... My wife is is so um, good at making decisions yeah. that I like look at a menu and get overwhelmed. That I'll just like lean in. Hey, if it's something I don't really care about, well, you make this decision, you know. Right. And so I recognize over the years that eventually she gets decision fatigue <laughs> as well. Yeah. Like even though she's a little, she has a more clarity with her thoughts than I do. I think just out of the gate, um, sometimes I need to make the decision. Yeah. So there was a thing where I made the decision, and I could tell like. She wasn't certain about it, yeah. you know, but she was like, fine, we'll make that decision. You know, I'm fine with that. I'm like, but no, you're not. Like, I, I needed her to have clarity and me being courageous enough to make a decision without clarity <laughs> is really hard. So I just, I did. I threw it out there. I was like, look, I just don't want to. This may not work out. This is the best decision I can make with the information I have right now. Right. Please don't hold me responsible. So you ended later. up at Applebee's. Rather than it was chilies, delicious. So the, the thing kind of worked out. Mm. It worked out exactly as we thought it would. I think as good as it could. But not I used ideal. to think about that about how people who have clarity, but then some people think they have clarity, and then we've all been around the people who think that everything is a word from God, right? And those people are impossible to be around usually. If yeah. everything, I have a feeling about this. Yeah, 
but I'm going to say that feeling is a word from the Lord. I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to people through, you know, peace and he speaks to us through, but this idea that every single thing and it becomes this authoritative deal with that person. Yeah. You know, we were in that, we were in a camp service one time where a girl said, a high school girl said, God revealed to me who I was going to marry last night in the service. Yeah. And it was like her boyfriend who was at the, and he wanted to like climb under the seats mm. cause he was 17 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and now you put the guilt and shame of please religious, don't, right. Please don't marry that girl. Cause every, cause now every fight's going to be like, really? You wanted, you wanted Outback Steakhouse? Cause God told me um, Mexican. Yeah. Tonight. That's what he said. That's what he said. <sighs> could happen. Yeah. It could. Maybe happen. they're happy. Maybe they're, maybe it worked out. <sighs> maybe, maybe they took a break. Mm-hmm. Breathed it out for a second, and then came back stronger than ever in the next part of their relationship. Which is exactly, by the way, what we're about to do okay. right now as we listen to a word from a few of our trusted sponsors. I like to say that I don't really know if those are trusted sponsors because I didn't hear those. Ads. Yeah, you really put a lot of yeah. So Man, if, if some, something was out there, really vouched for them. Yeah, I mean they try to align our ads with who we are but guys if something was horribly off the rails there forgive me um yeah i don't know yeah i'll be furious so one time we did know like a 14 15 year old girl who felt like that wasn't like she felt like she had direction from god of who she's going to marry and yeah so and but well, she shared it in private in the right way and you know we put all the caveats around the, okay well you know hey don't let this be some right like thing you felt like you have to do if you start to feel different, you know, sometimes we, we're we all trying to hear from God as we go, and sometimes we do, and sometimes we do, and we missed it. Mm-hmm. Scripture actually says that, to weigh things, and it's okay to miss it, you know, like to try to the pressure off. And they got married, and they've been married for over 10 years, and she was right, you know. Um, so that's always the best evidence, in my opinion, of whether or not you think you heard from God is, did it, or someone else told you something, <laughs> Yeah. Did it happen? You know, um, and so, I mean, that that's one of those, sometimes things happen, you know. It's true, John. Sometimes things happen. That's the title <laughs> of my new book. That that girl, Eleanor Roosevelt. Wow. Oddly enough, it's a story people don't know. You knew her when she was 14. Uh, she was in your youth group. It's crazy. You were doing youth ministry. <laughs> a long. A long time. Back before it was called youth ministry. You know, youth ministry is a modern construct. Yeah. Didn't exist in the 50s and 60s and really 70s. They eventually then started... Just dragged it. your kids into the big service yeah. and said, sit on your hands and shut up. Well, because there's no such thing as teenagers in those days. Teenagers is like a 1950s thing forward. Yeah. You didn't really think of... This is my opinion from things I've read. I'm not like... Mm-hmm. I, make, I, I have somewhat po- developed and postulated my own theories of this, so I'm not... There may be some data out there that refutes this, but from the way I read things and see things, yeah, there was a time in life when you turned 13... Mm-hmm. That you were marrying age and working age. Well, even in Jewish culture, you're a man. That's your yeah. That's your bar mitzvah. Your bat mitzvah. Yeah, it's kind of like straight from childhood into manhood. Now, I think they acknowledge those years are more angsty, you know, those kinds of things. But it wouldn't be uncommon. Like my great grandfather was 16, mm-hmm. ran off with my great grandmother who was 13, and they got married. Oh my goodness! She was the daughter of a farmer out here in Lebanon. And they were married till, I mean, they were married over 60 years, you know, 
So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uncommon at all. To seven different people. No, right. come, come on. on now, guys. You guys. Oh, my gosh. That's like a the, beautiful story. Yeah. Well, they had to run away, so I'm going to guess her dad oh, wasn't right. happy he about wasn't. it. He wasn't. What's the old farmer's daughter thing? That's every, yeah. that's every old street joke. I'm assuming he, he came along eventually, but I really don't know. Yeah. But uh, it just, I think somewhere along the way then, we started, after World War II in, in particular, I think when sort of the innocence of the nation had been fully lost, mm-hmm. you know, and you have these soldiers returning um, home from war, this, you know, a, a, a unbelievable trauma. And there was this feeling of, you know, that leads to this great boom economically. Uh, but there's this feeling that, you know, the white picket fence kind of thing. Now, that's for a, a certain subset of Americans. There are a lot of Americans that never had that. And so when we look at those decades through such, you know, I'm not putting rose-colored lenses on them. Yeah. There were still separate water fountains and, and all kinds of things happening that were completely uh, not a vision of the, the liberty that our nation should have been having at that time. But, I mean, for a lot of the returning soldiers in particular, though, it's a, hey, you know, I want this innocence i want right, trying this, to protect it right this now we've we've saved democracy right and the world let my kids be kids kind of thing i think yeah and so i think that teenage years sort of developed out of that and there's this now 16 is a different thing when 16 would be your factory worker mm-hmm. you know you may still be in school you may not of course public ed- public education is another big part of that in the early especially 20th century being yeah. a mandated thing um but you go into youth ministry, I'm trying to say, like, there was a moment in time I recognized I did for 15 years what really didn't exist until the l- latter half of the 20th century. Would you say you're a pioneer, John? Um, no, because I was like four. Would anybody in. say it? Okay. Maybe. I was in a program where I was a pioneer one time. It was the Royal Rangers. But did you build your little, like, uh, wood car that rolls down the... Pinewood Derby. Dude, you bet I did. Did you ever win a Pinewood Derby? I don't know. I think I may have got a ribbon somewhere. What about the one that you get in? What are those called? Soapbox Derbies. Soapbox. Soapbox car. Soap. There's no way to know. Boxcar Derby? Boxcar. Where you build your your little jalopy. What are those things called? And you roll it down a hill. Yeah. Seems. I thought it was Soapbox Derby. Maybe it is. Boxcar. Soapbox car. But is it really made out of a soapbox? I thought a soapbox is what you stood on whenever you had a point to make. But you can also get in it and attach four wheels to it, and here we come. Isn't it made out of cardboard? No. Soapbox. You can make it out of anything. Well, that's true. The old soapboxes would be wooden. Well, anyway, uh, you never did that, though. No. That's more That's more dangerous. I, I think the church-sponsored activity, that's a little dangerous. We were a dangerous kind of place. Yeah? My dad lived on... We all fired guns and stuff and did the archeries and things. Yeah, I remember like dad though, like there was a, uh, we talked about old Jeeps the other day, my family, and I remember being a kid and seeing a guy walk up in almost a full body cast to sell an old 1942 Jeep Willys with these huge tires on it to my dad after he'd flipped it and wrecked it and almost killed himself. I have some questions. Okay. How do you walk up in a full body cast? Almost full body. My brother corrected it the other day. In my mind, he's in full body, just kind of like, just Waddling like, up. Yeah. And my brother says, no, he had like a broken arm. It was out here. And I think he had like the a cast strut underneath it, yeah. the shelf bracket. Yeah, the arm was up. Yeah. Yeah. So they see, even do that anymore? I don't know. You know, I've seen the shelf bracket in a long time. Well, let's break someone's arm and find or out. Or the halo. You don't see a lot of halo people. Yeah. Huh. All right at halo. 
Yeah. You know why they don't have to do halos as much anymore. What's that? Now they mold a mask to your face. What? So there's a mask. They, they can pour it onto your face and it hardens. And now your face becomes a thing. So then they they bolt that to the table instead of the halo. Holy moly! So you can't move like literally because it's molded to your to the. Front I think of that your would head. give me a panic attack more than the halo. Listen, the the halo when my wife had brain surgery. Yeah, I mean it's a black and decker with a screw into her skull. I mean like yeah to to get it in there, you know. So that was not Mm-mm. ideal. So I'm I wish she could have had a halo instead. So yeah. Yeah, uh, somebody was talking the other day about the masks that they construct, like people that go into like four and five hours of makeup on these Hollywood sets, and they pour this gel around you to make a whatever prosthetic. Yeah. And somebody kind of got, started having a panic attack while they were constructing the thing, and like, you you feel like you can't breathe, mm-hmm. and they had to like cut him out of it. It was like a famous movie, I can't remember what it was, but it was one of those of like, they could have died, because they just, you can't. If you start panicking, you'll breathe in the goo or whatever. Yeah. They tell you, like, don't move. They have, like, a straw coming out of it. Wow. And for whatever reason, they were like, get me out of this. And they were like, she's going down. You know, whatever. Wow. So he, I don't know. <laughs> what's the, I don't think I could do it. What's the code? Yeah. Code, <laughs> code plaster. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that's what happened. They kind of breathed in the plaster or whatever they Jeez. used back in the... I couldn't do it. That's the thing. It's always interesting with Hollywood. You get a lot of credit for a role that changes your appearance a lot, especially if you're an attractive person, you play an unattractive person. We see it with like Brendan Fraser who played this 600 pound person and won the Academy Award this year. It was kind of a big comeback story for him too though, which is kind of good because he kind of disappeared from Hollywood for a while. And now he's come back, but he's playing this obese person, morbidly obese person. They said he was in the makeup chair like six hours a day or something. Mm. And so I think that goes into the narrative when you win an award like that because you're kind of giving him credit for like all of that too. You're saying, man, he really showed a lot of discipline. Yeah. Um, Eileen Warnos, you know, uh, Charlize Theron, she won. She'd been in a bunch of great films, and then she wins because she kind of made herself ugly and played a serial killer hmm. in the early 2000s. And it was like, oh, man, look how hideous she is. You know, yeah. it's like, man, what a great actress. It's like, all right. I would love that if I could be. We need to just get credit for already being, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just want, why can't I get an Academy Award? That's what I've been asking. Yeah. I mean, you entered. I don't know that I'm in the, is that what you do? You just send away? We had to be in a movie, one. Okay. I've been in a movie. That is true. You were Townsperson 2? One. Oh, sorry. Don't even. My bad. What are you doing? I downgraded you. You did that on purpose. That was like you're nagging me. (laughs) That was like one of those things you say. Well, were you townsperson? You're really pretty for a big girl. That's what you just did to me. Oh my gosh! Wow! Wow! Don't you nag me? Okay, you're really smart for a dumb guy, Mm -hmm. right? Offbeat, good looks. Mm. Townsperson one, which the movie was called The Townsperson. No, it was called (laughs) Believe. I was uh, go check it out. It's on Netflix. Actually, it's a Christmas film. Nice. It's one of those like Save the Town uh, Christmas Festival kind of movies. A little Hallmarky. Yeah, but it was good. And I had a line. Do you remember my line? Mr. Payton, can you give me a job? That was it. I didn't get in character or anything. I could have delivered it better, but that, yeah. that was basically the line. I'm walking out of it like it's a factory town. The, and I'm out of work, and I'm among a throng of people who are out of work. What did he say? Did he ignore you? Uh, he just keeps walking. <sighs> just like Because it's a Payton. lot of people who are like... <sighs> and he just kind of was like, let's go. Please, sir. I like some porridge. It was something like that. You should have put an accent on it. 
Well, deliver was, the line. It was supposed to be I was a West Virginia hey person, but you wanted to really, you know, snap. You want to sell it? Go Dick Dickens with it? Yeah, yeah. you're right. That would have been. That's awesome. what was missing. That's why I didn't win the the Academy Award. <sighs> I wasn't even favored. No. Do you or think maybe there's acting in your future? I hope so. I really did enjoy it, and uh, I've done a few commercials for like local, like a car dealership. We talked about that before, but that was kind of a fun experience. The one day was one was not one day of shooting was uh, we what it was in April, a couple of years ago, and Jeffrey and I. I'd kind of roped Jeffrey into the shoot as well. I was like, hey, I'll do this. Can we get my buddy to shoot that? And so they added Jeffrey to the project. I think he ended up making way more money than me too, which is just the best. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Jeffrey. But anyway, we go down to do it, and they put us up in a hotel. We get up the next day to go shoot at the dealership. We'd already done one set of commercials the year before, but this was at a different dealership in Lexington this mm-hmm. time. So I go, okay, we're cool. We wake up. I go out to the car to put my bags in the car. There's six inches of snow on all the cars and on the ground. It was like a freak snowstorm in April. Wow. And I go, well, this is canceled because they're not going to be able to. How do you shoot it? Because we have to show the cars. Right. So we go to the dealership and I'm thinking they're going to pull the plug on this. And the guy calls. He's in the Seattle ad agency. He goes, no, no, just um, have them hose off the cars. It's supposed to warm up later today. We really need to get this done. And so we had to just wait around. And I had all these short sleeve shirts to wear. Jeez. So I stood out there just trembling in between takes and delivering these lines with my teeth chattering. I don't know that they ever used them. Like we shot all day. And it was just like I just put on a brave face and did it. But I felt bad because I was like, we're not giving. This is very rushed and we're freezing. It was like 30 degrees mm. in April. That happens in the South sometimes. People don't people don't know that we get these weird like blackberry. It's going to be spring, and then it's like, hey, here's two more weeks of awful, and then all the trees like die because they've just budded or whatever. What? And right. then they get that you get that cold snap, and now it sets us back, which is not great. Well, there's one right now. We're cold snapping right now. Is that what this is? Yeah, I the think cold so. snap, and those like freeze warnings and whatnot. Yeah. Gotta, this is a meteorology take, podcast. You got to take your sheets out and cover your shrubs like yeah. a weirdo. They you know, all look, all my look like you have ghosts on your property. <laughs> Halloween <laughs> comes early this year. Yeah. Um, um, all of my plants died with these the freezes we had, the late early freezes, late freezes, whatnot. Yeah. Did yours die? No. Uh, I've been pretty, pretty lucky. No, I don't know. Well, I'm, they, I did have a couple things die. I just don't care. Oh. Uh. I'm one of those guys that until I get a letter from the HOA, that we're not going to work on anything. I wish I wish I could not care. I think it's. Could you teach me? I think you just care. I don't think it's about like peer pressure from people around you. I just think you don't like seeing dead plants, and so you're going to go spend the money. Yeah. I I really like. I, I would feel bad like looking at it all if I was like, well, this is just like a stick in the ground now. It's not a tree anymore. I would pull it up. Yeah. But it'd be, I'd be hard pressed to be like, let's go spend another two hundred dollars. Like it'd be. That'd be the last $200 I would spend. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I put in weeping willows in my yard in the back, but that's because it was flooding. And I looked up what are the best trees to plant in a flooded area that can take intense. And it said weeping willows. And I put them in like baby weeping willows. And now the flooding issue is gone. It did. It soaked it all up. Like didn't I tell you? I don't know what I told you to do. You that. may have. I think I looked it up too to confirm. Because I was like, can I trust John? Because all of his plants are dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like going to a loser to ask advice. Well, I get that a lot. But yeah. 
I didn't. Well, my, actually, my willow did die eventually, but it was from the tornado. So I can't really be held responsible for that. Yeah. Well, but, but the willow. In you mean water, held responsible for the tornado? Yeah. Killing well, my a, killing my tree. I thought you meant like would I hold you responsible for the tornado? Just in general. Yeah. No. Okay. You know they don't name tornadoes. Like when did team. you know you have superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Twisty McGee, they call me. No. Uh, no. I feel like you're distracted, John. Are you typing something? I gotta call you out. My daughter is texting me. They can hear you clicking. I'm so sorry, In the microphone. My daughter is texting me from school. And... Tell her we're doing a podcast. I can't... I can't... I can't... There's... I'm trying to be a dad to... Parents. I'm trying to understand... We can pause and come back. No, we can't because I have to be done so I can go pick her up. So it's a it's a whole thing, Johnny. I'm trying to help her problem. I'm trying to help her solve her problem. What so. is the problem? We'll do it on the air. No, I can't do this one on the air. So okay, fine. You know, I do apologize, our, guys. I apologize. It, by the way, if any of our listeners have problems, they can go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Mm. We now have a chat thing that you can send us a direct email. Yeah. And we'll like, we'd love to do like an Ask John and Johnny on the air oh. segment. It'd be amazing. Like a Dear Abby. Remember Dear Abby was so big? Yeah. Wasn't there like a knockoff too? Dear. Every, I think every paper in America like had a couple of advice columnists. But Dear Abby was the one. It was almost like Google. We talked about that last week. Kleenex and Google became the thing. A Dear Abby column right. was like the header. But right. it might have been Dear Margaret. Yeah. You had your own little cheeky mm. sage that would come in and be like, well, here's what I would do. Your mother-in-law is clearly over the line. Right. Whatever. I mean, just because you can write in a paper, does it really give you yeah. good counsel to give? It just or like you- film critics was another one that like film critics really had their huge heyday in the 80s when you had Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. So every paper had their own guys. And for in Knoxville, our paper, our... Biscal and Hubert. Our film critic was a, a lady named Betsy Pickle. Really? And when I worked at the movie theater, Betsy would come in and do, she would sit in on screenings. Yeah. And then she would write her diatribes and, you know, she would rail against the production value of film X or Y. But she became like a tastemaker in Knoxville because she had some decent opinions and she was a good writer. But it's just interesting, like, here's this woman that just comes in and she tells you, like, whether the movie's worth seeing. Now we have Tomato Meter. Yeah. Which is kind of a conglomerate, a score based on hundreds of those people, and you get and if they, if you get a bad tomato rating, like it can tank your movie. But it used to be you just you listen to the tastemaker in your town. You're like, well, Betsy hated it, so. But now it's like a hundred Betsy's have to tell me that it's bad before I'm staying away. Well, you know? I, and some of us are Betsy. Isn't you know what? In some cases, is the actual Betsy. Yeah. Who's the Betsy in your life telling you that everything's bad? You need to you need to find another Betsy that'll Tell look, look for the positive. I don't think I'd be a very good critic because I just like movies too much. I, I thought like no, I'd, I think I hate. I don't think I like movies enough anymore. I'm more really? likely to have a negative experience. Somebody like seen this before. That's a trope that's very common. Or like this was all done in CGI and it bothers me that there's no human connection in the yeah. film. It just was a big like. But I do like sometimes for a movie to just be like a big fun amusement park ride yeah me too so i like movies but i never it's been a while since i've seen a movie that was like man i've never experienced that before that was something else yeah maybe it's because i'm grown up and i just i'm jaded now maybe so i like like we just watched the two enola holmes movies yeah with millie bobby brown yeah you know and again they're i'm watching with my daughter they're they're 
you know, they're cutesy with a little mystery. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, what is it? Nancy Drew mysteries or Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah. Uh, for the modern, the Hardy Boys, Hardy Boys for the modern age. Which, by the way, I have original Hardy Boy books over there on the shelf. Are they worth anything? I don't know. There's only one way to find out. Yeah, come on, guys. Uh, I'll start the bidding at, um, you know, Hardy Boys was one of my favorite past books to read, Johnny. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, I used to read them when I was a kid, like back in the past. Well, I hope it would have been in the past because you can't read them in the future. That, I mean, I guess you could go back and read them. Yeah, that's true. But things were different. I think you need to read a book about segues <laughs> and how they need work. No. You're right, John. And this is a segment of the show that we like to end with uh, every week uh, where we go back into the past. This week in history, we call it Talk About Then. All right, John. We got some good stuff today. Well, it's not good. You know, sometimes there's bad mm. things that happen in history. We got to cover it. Mm. 1986. Do you know what happened this week, 1986, John? It was a, dis- a disaster, a global disaster. So not here, John? but an international. Oh, global disaster. An international disaster. So not global in that everyone was affected, but. Uh, was natural disaster? Uh, in a manner of speaking, man, uh, a man intervened, sort of, man intervened. So there's a natural uh, involvement, but man's intervention probably is what caused the disaster. Exxon Valdez? Chernobyl. Oh, okay. The worst accident in the history of nuclear energy. It killed 30 people and spewed radioactive material over the Soviet Union and Europe. Two workers died immediately after the accident, and another 28 died during the next four months. 106 workers suffered acute radiation sickness. The disaster started when workers were running experiments on the reactor. Safety mechanisms had been disabled to facilitate the test. I did not know that. I know there's been a whole documentary, and then, like in the, and then there was a series on HBO about it, too. Um Tests eventually caused an explosion that blew the top off the reactor and spewed radioactive material into the atmosphere. Chernobyl would eventually be declared a tourist attraction in 2011. I did not know that. Really? Not going. No. Although it didn't kill as many people as I think people believe. Like, I think when you hear Chernobyl, you imagine that, like, the whole general area just died and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We think of it as, I don't want to say worse, but it did derail, like, that and Three Mile Island here derailed nuclear power as a... And it's a very clean energy source. Yeah. And so, like, it kind of, that, those problems really gave it such a black eye that it's never been thought of seriously again. Yeah. Like, I just did a show in North Carolina, Forest City, tiny town, used to be a textile town. All the textile jobs go to Mexico. So it's this depressed old factory town. But they had a nuclear reactor there, Mm. and it's still working. So there's all this power, an enormous amount of power for this depressed area that a lot of people have fled. Yeah. So do you know what's there now? Facebook. All the server farms. Wow. So in the middle of nowhere in this town in North Carolina, it's a small, tiny town, there's this gigantic, like, Amazon-looking facility, nondescript building that has all... Because they just have unlimited power from the nuclear reactor that's still working there. Wow. So Facebook... Uh, it's not a headquarters, but it's the headquarters of their power hub that or whatever. That was a very interesting piece of knowledge. Do you that, like that? that? Yeah. Wow. See, I feel like if, if a listener listened to this episode, they'd be like, wow... That was something I couldn't have gotten anywhere else. Thank you. Thank you. I did a show there in Spindale, right next door, which is a tiny town. And uh, a couple hundred folks came out, maybe 300, and watched a show nice. uh, of mine on uh, Sunday night. Great show. And please go to my website and check out tour dates. I'm touring. I mean, Ugh. there's so many new dates being added. Check it out. I'd love to see you on the road. Oh, that's uh, great. Okay, this one you'll get. 1865, John, this week, uh, Lincoln's assassin was killed. John Wilkes Booth shot and killed President Abraham Lincoln. 
He is shot and killed in where, John? Ooh. Ooh, I don't remember the town. Garrett's Barn in Virginia. I was in Virginia, but I couldn't remember the... Uh, when Booth refused to come out of the barn, soldiers just set it on fire. He was shot while still in the barn. So I did not know they tried that tactic. That's a... Do you know that? that he, wouldn't, they, he wouldn't come out, yeah, so they, they just lit a fire and yeah. burned him out. Yeah. Uh, he wow. was in there with a broken leg. I mean, he's pretty, yeah. pretty badly injured. Right. And, um, yeah. Uh, here's another U.S. history one. The 1862, this week, the first American was hanged for treason against the U.S. Did you know this story? Hmm. William Bruce Mumford, a New Orleans gambler, removed the Union flag that had been raised by Union troops at New Orleans Mint. For this, he was convicted and hanged for treason. So just removing the flag. 1862? 1862, yes. Yeah. That's a, I mean. So you remove that flag, that's a. That's an well, act I mean, of war. It's a military it's an site. Of, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Huh. Do you think he was just doing it like as a statement or was it like a uh, whatever? Did he have other? Well, obviously I'd say he was a Confederate. So he just took the flag down and they're like, that's it. And they yeah. killed him. Well, that's a big wow. deal. Bam. Yeah. The flag, the flag being raised over an occupied territory or city or you know, it was a mint. Yeah. Right. I mean, so pretty, pretty important to war effort. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, born. Treason, though, I wonder if he was a mil- if it was a military. Like, uh, I wonder if this was a military execution. It says he was just a New Orleans gambler. It says for this he was convicted and hanged for treason. So maybe it was like a tribunal where they still had. But he was a civilian, it sounds like. I don't know. It's interesting. I'd like to know more. Yeah. Okay. Let's look it up uh, next week. I'll, by the way, my wife suggested a segment that we're probably going to unveil in, in the weeks to come where we go back and say all the things we were that we got completely wonky. Yeah. And we're going to call it wrong about that, mm. which I think is a great idea. I love it. So if you have any submissions for wrong about that, yeah, we'd be happy to oblige because we, you know, remember that part Johnny said that he doesn't like to be wrong. I, I'm this happy to hurt. If it's for comedy though, like being wrong is fun. Yeah, like you can be like, man, I was an idiot kid. Here's a five minute bit about that in my show. I do that all the time. Yeah. So I just don't want to say I'm wrong to a loved one. <laughs> Remember that movie, Love Means Never Saying, Having to Say You're Sorry? It was called, uh, what was it called? Ordinary People? And it's like, that's exactly the opposite the, of what love. Yeah, love means saying you're sorry all the time. That's crazy, right? Interesting. That movie Maybe it was, was Love Story. It was either Love Story or Ordinary People where that line came from. It was like, it became like a famous line. Wow. Ryan O'Neill, I think. I was like, no, that's, no, you don't that's, even, are you in a relationship? Right. Because Have you ever been in one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, last two. Edward Maynard was born uh, this this day. Or this week, American dentist, the first to recognize dental fever in 1836, which I didn't know was a thing. (laughs) And the first to use gold fillings in 1838, just two years later. He was one of the most prominent dentists in the United States with his clientele, including the country's political elite, congressmen and presidents. Are you a, have you had a lot of fillings, John? Uh, Not just a couple. Just a couple? Yeah. Wow. I didn't have a cavity till like my thirties. So was it just, you just feel like it's. I've read a lot of that because genetic, like pH yeah, genetic. levels in your saliva, like a, mom, a lot of things have an effect yeah, very, on Very, very little, very few cavities for a mom, and I kind of took after her. So. Some people just like take, you know, meticulous care of their teeth and still, still get cavities, yeah. and some people just, they never even like yeah. do anything, and they're like, yeah, I'm good, oh, got, yeah. A, got a good positive, well, what do you know? What do you know? <sighs> anyway, uh, Edward Maynard, congratulations, Edward. Yeah. Happy birthday. Interesting gold teeth, to, like, I wonder if about gold, 10 years before the gold rush. I wonder if gold was just like he knew that it wouldn't degrade or if it was like in plenty supply. Was it really expensive to do that? 
wonder if he tried other things like nickel and other things. They were like, no, this isn't going to work. Or maybe you would taste it. If you taste, like, if you don't taste gold, maybe other metals, you'd be like, I taste metal all day. Thanks a lot. Right. When I I put a nickel in my mouth, I taste it. Yes. Well, when I put a gold coin. Never taste that. Never taste it. We need our own gold coins. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people release these coins. Some coins go up in value. Some (laughs) coins go down. (laughs) I talk about that. Remember the commemorative plate collection that people were buying in the 80s and 90s? Yeah. The Disney plates? Yeah. They tell, look, look, there's Snow White on a plate. What am I going to do with this? I bet you we have some friends who would pay high dollar for that. You're probably right. Uh, Lastly, born this week, 1933, one of my favorite all-time people and all-time humans and all-time comedians. Carol Burnett. Mm. Carol Burnett is super important to me and my family. Like my history, like one of the reasons I became a comedian was because Carol Burnett made my mother laugh. Wow. Like for real. I don't know. How, I, we're, we have an age difference. I don't know if Carol Burnett shows oh, yeah. in syndication on your house, uh, on in your house, but that was just the thing we could watch together and laugh at Tim Conway as the old man and Carol Burnett tugging the ear. Which, you know what, she did that, right? She would take questions, she'd tug her ear. We've got a great show, we'll see you soon. You know what that's about, right? No. She's sending a message to her grandmother who raised her that she loved her. So it's a little, I love you to her grandmother. Wow. I love little things like that when you find out what they all mean. Yeah. There used to be a player in the NBA, um, Jeff Hornacek. I remember him. And remember he would wipe yeah. his face? It was for his kids at home, right? Yeah, I think it was for his kids. At the free throw line. So he would wipe. The, it would look like he was just wiping sweat, but every time he would do it the same. And I was like, that's a man. And then somebody asked him and he said he wouldn't say. And then finally, I think once he retired, he talked about it. Yeah. Because it was a, because that's always in the camera is going to be zoomed in. Yeah. On the players. So he knew his kids were home watching. It's really cool. Yeah. But anyway. Shout Carol, out to George, Jeff Hornacek. Carol Burnett, still alive. She actually acted in, in a couple Annie. episodes. Uh, well, she did. But I'm saying she acted as recently as this past year. She was on the, the last few episodes of Better Call Saul. Wow. The final season. And, you know, she's 91, I think. Wow. And they're trying to get her. There's like a big campaign to try to get her to host Saturday Night Live. She's never hosted. You know, it really? worked with Betty White because Betty White never hosted. And then she got to host like a couple of years before she died. So now there are people like, why is Carol Burnett never hosted? Yeah, that's dumb. Um, she's a living, living legend. Well, and think about when she was hosting a comedy variety show that was on television. I mean, the show did not last long. I think it was four seasons. But this is a time for women when it was like, you just assumed that women should be in the home, the whatever. She's this huge trailblazer and holding court with these comedic minds. Harvey Corman, Tim Conway, Lyle Wagner, like amazing people. She, It's her show. Yeah, They built that vehicle around her. It's just, it's crazy to think about the 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 trail that she blazed for people like, you know, I mean, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and you think of people today, that doesn't really happen without Carol Burnett right. and Lucille Ball and people like that. So I love it so much. And anyway, happy birthday, Carol. Huh. And many more, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so. Well, it was a great walk down memory lane, Johnny. I think so. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that. We learned a little something. We did. Came away with something today. I uh, think so. Do you take notes? No. No. Don't I wonder if it. anyone takes notes. Well, I hope they will now to tell us where we were wrong so they can... Yeah, but it's a big job to go back and find all the places you we were We want wrong. you to... Man. You're right. Come on now. But please go to the website, check it out, talk about that podcast.com. All the old archived episodes are on there, including videos. You can watch the videos, see our ugly mug. Yeah. 
Uh, those are fun. Leave comments on those because that helps the YouTube algorithm, which oh, we've yeah. not really pushed for lately, but we no. really need to start pushing that more. Get yes. more subscribers on that channel because that helps people find the show. Leave a review. Yeah. Um, leave Even if it's just clicking five stars, but, but also like, if you write a written review, that helps. Yeah. More people find the show that wouldn't otherwise find it. Go to our website, though. There's a little chat window. You can uh, send us an email. And I get those emails. We got one last week. I don't want to read it on the air, but it was a fun. Yeah. It's a long email, but I'll. We'll, uh, we'll summarize it and read it next week. But it was fun. Yeah. So we know it works. We know that that, that system of communication is working, John. <laughs> yeah. Our communication. No. Never been worse. No. But, never been worse. But the website works. No. Did you know also you could listen to every episode or talk about that without the ads if you'd like? Oh, right. If you go to our Patreon mm-hmm. right there on the Let's website. Go to our website too. and right there at the top it says support and for ad-free episodes. So you just go up there and click and uh, support us at any of the rates and uh, you can get uh, a link to an RSS feed link to ad-free episodes. We'd, yes. be, we'd love to send that. Have another exciting uh, announcement coming up probably the next two weeks. This is going to be another edition, another way to, to be connected, uh, not only to us, but to additional content from us. So uh, that's going to be coming out here soon. It's in the design phase and uh, hopefully should be unveiled soon. We're running, so. we're running tests, and we've taken all the safety measures down as we run those tests. Oh, it's so dangerous So if the right top now. of this building blows off and yeah. pollutes the entire area, that's our bad. That's on us. Yeah. Yeah, right now a team mm-hmm. of uh, people are sitting in a room right now working on it. Yeah. Yeah. In hazmat suits. Oh, it's, I tell you, if people think this stuff just happens, Johnny, that mm-hmm. they just sit down in front of two microphones, push record, and just start talking. And that's... Oh, that's pretty close. That's pretty close to how it happens. So... We're sorry. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, do send us your questions, comments, leave reviews. Check out johnnyw.com or johndriver.com. You can find where Johnny's going to be. Johnny's all over. He really is all over the map right yeah. now. So, uh, man, Moving. go follow him. Follow him on Instagram. He's a great follow. Facebook, all the places. Check out John's books on Amazon. Leave a review for those. That helps people find the books and helps him look a little more, have more clout than he might otherwise. Uh, we need a, clout, y'all. Uh, clout with it. I wish we lived in a world where it wasn't important. We just don't live in that world. No. No, we live in a place. It's not important to me, but it's important to the people who might hire me. Like, right. Like, I don't need, like, I don't have a need for people's approval. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want people's approval. Um, I like people's <laughs> approval. Yes. I have to have their approval, but I wouldn't call it a need. Right. So, yes. who, who's that? So, I got to get it. That's Mike, Mike Scott. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like my need to be praised. That's <laughs> different need. <laughs> That's great. Guys, thank you for the time you spent. We'll do it again next week on Talk About That. do when the world around you is falling apart it's amazing to me how many people are breathing air they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do but if you really ask them they know that on the inside they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead if we're not careful all of us can experience that death when what we need to do even as the world around us is falling apart we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.